Uh, hey, everybody who's glad to be at church today. Is anybody glad to be in God's house? Come on. Amen. All glory goes to Jesus today. So glad that you're with us, and especially those of you on the other side of the camera. You're uh, watching maybe online, or you're watching live right now, or you're at our 4.30 service today. I want to say thank you for being part of our church family. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in today. Come on, church. Let's welcome everybody on the other side. Let them know we're glad. Hey, we're glad you're with us. Glad you're with us. Hey, we're in this series, uh, part four of a series that we've been calling Closer, and we've been talking about worship, what is worship, and, and how do you do it God's way. But I'm actually going to shift gears today. I really felt like the Lord's leading me in a different direction. I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. But uh, one of the things I love to do is just I love to share vision, kind of where we're headed, cast a little vision. And so next weekend, I'm going to give you a, a more vision for this fall, but today I wanted to Take just a couple minutes and point the way and to, to, to clear the path. Point the way, clear the path for where we're headed over the next couple weeks. And, uh, and that is, I wanted to announce to you some service time changes coming up at church. And so we're going to be changing our service times to make more room for people. And what we're going to do is we're going to push all the service times back by 45 minutes beginning September the 10th. So we're going 9 a.m., 10.45, and 12.30. And the reason we're doing that is because this service has been growing and growing and growing. In fact, there's been multiple weeks where we are uh, sitting people in chairs. Where uh, we've we've had some Sundays where we had to put chairs out in the lobby. Awesome, love it, right? But um, but our our 11:45 service is growing as well. It is nearly as full as this service is as well. And so um, our our 8:15 service is incredible. Last weekend, we broke 300 people in that service for the very first time. It's awesome. But what we've realized is that 815 is too early for y'all to come to. <laughs> yeah, the truth comes out. It's just too early, too early. And so nine o'clock is a little bit better, isn't it, everybody? It's a little bit better. Yeah, can make that. So, starting September the 10th, we're going we're gonna to be launching these new service times, and I don't need all y'all to go to the, eight, to the 9 o'clock, because then we won't have anybody, uh, any room in that one, but I need a couple hundred of you to go to that service and make room in the new 1045 service, and then our, our 1230, uh, our 1145s pushing back to 1230, and I think it's going to be okay, because a lot of those people don't get there till 12 anyway, so it's all right. <laughs> It's just 30 minutes difference. They'll be all right. So new service time starting the 10th. And the whole goal for that is to just kind of help us spread out a little bit to make room for people who aren't here yet. Because how many of you know, like, God, God's doing something incredible at our church. And, and people want to be a part of it. And we, we want to make room for every person who wants to be a part of that. Now, also, you don't see 430 here on the screen because starting that same weekend, we are going to be discontinuing that service because... Uh, the, the original intent of that service was to pull people out of the morning services to make room, all right? And what we've noticed in that service is that uh, it's not doing that. In fact, a, about a third of the people who attend that service are dream teamers, and they are repeat serving. So they've already served in the, in the morning services, and they're coming back to pull off that 430 service. And what we've also noticed is that a lot of people visit that service for the first time, and they like it, and then they come on Sunday morning, and that kind of defeats the whole purpose, right? So we're just going to discontinue that. We're not going to offer that uh, except for seasons, maybe through at the movies or things like that. And so uh, just stay tuned for more information on that. But September the 10th, 
we, we change these service times and, and we, we get ready for uh, an incredible fall season. All right, amen, everybody. If you're on board, say, yeah. yeah. All right, all right. Good deal. Well, I've been asked um, a, a few times lately um, why I haven't told any Boudreaux jokes lately. And so uh, I thought today would be as good a day as any to, to give you some, some humor uh, because the message really isn't that funny. But uh, if... Uh, but if, if you don't know who Boudreaux is, Boudreaux, is a, he's, a, he's a Cajun, all right? He's a, he's a Cajun guy, and Boudreaux is a very common last name in, in Louisiana, in the Cajun country. And I love my Cajun friends, have a lot of them. And we, we love to just uh, laugh and tell jokes like this. Well, I heard a new Boudreaux joke. Boudreaux, uh, he was flying for the first time. And he's on the airplane and, and about halfway to his destination, when, when he hears an explosion, you know, uh, that's Cajun for an explosion. He, they just say explosion. This, it's an uh, explosion. And the, the captain comes on the intercom and he says, hey, folks, we've lost an engine and, uh, and we're going to be delayed about 30 minutes. So just know that we're not going to be on time. We're going to be about 30 minutes late. But the good news is we can fly this airplane with the three other engines. We'll get there. All right. So a little while later, they hear another explosion, boom, and he looks out the window, another, another engine has gone out, and he, he hears the captain come on the intercom, say, hey, we just lost our second engine, folks, but we're going we gonna to get to the airport, it's going to be all right, but you're going to be an hour and a half late. So a few minutes later, another explosion. The third engine goes out, the captain says, folks, I'm sorry to tell you, we've lost our third engine, but believe it or not, we can fly this thing with one engine. It's just going to take a little bit longer. We're going to get there, though. And about that time, Boudreaux turns to his neighbor, his seat buddy, and he says, man, if we lose that last engine, we're going to be up here all day. <laughs> gotta, love, gotta love Boudreaux. All right. So, uh, so I had plans to, uh, I was going to give you a message today really on getting closer to each other, really tie into small groups and really felt like the Lord was leading me in that direction, had a message prepared on Monday, but on Thursday during our 21 days of prayer as we're praying, I just felt the Lord say, hey, I need you to, I want you to switch that topic. I want you to talk about something different on Sunday and, uh, and it's a topic that can, it kind of comes with a little bit of uh, misconceptions, maybe some stigmas around it. And it's actually the topic, it's the number one most requested thing for prayer in our church. The number one most common prayer need in our church. And it's also the number one thing that you asked us to teach about at Easter time. For those of you who are new, we do a, an annual Easter survey where, where we ask you to tell us what topics that you want to hear. What would you like to to hear a message on, and it's the number one topic. And that topic is depression, anxiety, and mental health. And I just felt the Lord clearly just kind of say, I want you to shift gears, and I want you to talk about that this weekend. And, and so I want you to know I'm not uh, clinically trained in this area. Uh, I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does. Come on, somebody. I know the creator of every good and perfect thing. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to just teach you the best that I can today uh, about this topic. But here's the thing. I know the one who knows all the answers. His name is Jesus. And he can heal every disease and every dis-ease. He can take care of anything that we face. Now, what I'm not saying, what I don't want you to hear, is that I'm, I'm against medication or treatment. I believe there's right places and right times for all of that. In fact, um, 
there's, uh, there are nine causes of, of depression and anxiety. Only two of them are biological. The rest of them are psychological. So that tells us that a lot of what we go through in life can be easily, uh, easily treated, all right, without those kinds of things. So when it's possible, let's, let's do it without it. But when, when, it, when it's needed, hey, let's do it, okay, everybody, all right? And so before we get into the, the, the depth of the message today, I want to define what depression is. Depression is a depressed mood characterized by reduced pleasure in activities that you used to enjoy. So I, I used to enjoy this, but I don't anymore. A loss of intimacy, changes in appetite, you're eating too much, too little, unintentional weight gain or loss. Sleeping problems where you're, you can't go to sleep at night or you're having to take medication to go to sleep or you're waking up all through the night or you have fatigue or loss or energy, loss of energy, feelings of worthlessness and guilt and helplessness and hopelessness. So when you look at this list, I don't know about you, but I kind of look at it and I go, hey, I've been there <laughs> with just about all of those before. Anybody else with me today? Like you've, you've experienced that? It's, it's okay to say, yeah, I've been there. I've experienced these kinds of emotions and, and um, s some of us, we, uh, we've experienced all of them at the same time. I mean, it, it can be overwhelming. And so part of the reason I feel like the Lord wanted me to bring this message to you today is because the World Health Organization says depression is the leading cause for disability worldwide. It also says that depression is now considered, it's a, it's a pandemic, it's a global epidemic, and, and it, it had, the medications for depression have increased 300% in the last few years, 300%. And so I, I think as a church, we could put our heads in the sand and we could just act like it's no big deal. Let's just not talk about it. Or we can say, hey, let's, let up, let's talk about it. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Let's see what God wants to do. And there's a stigma around this, right? So I think a lot of times we, uh, depression and anxiety, is, it's clothed in denial or in shame. What do you mean? Well, uh, denial says, I don't have a problem. I'm not depressed. <laughs> Come on. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not anxious. What are you talking about? I'm anxious. I'm not anxious. <laughs> okay, okay. That's denial. Uh, an unwillingness to admit that I, I think I might be dealing with something here. Shame is, I know I'm dealing with it, but I ain't figuring to tell nobody. Because I don't want them to judge me. I don't want them, I don't want them to act a certain way to me. And so, um, so we, we've got to break that stigma in Jesus' name, okay? We've just got to break it off. Because what if I told you I was sick? Would, would you judge me if I was sick? I, I, wear, I wear glasses, all right? My eyes are sick, everybody. My eyes are not healthy. I can't see very well without my glasses. You're there, but I, I, I can't really make out certain faces and features and attributes. And so because my eyes are sick, I have to have a little bit of help to see. Or I just have this prescription that when I put these glasses on, now I can see everybody clearly. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see clearly. And, and I know who I'm looking at. I can read my notes. It's awesome. But you don't judge me because I'm wearing glasses, do you? No. And you wouldn't judge me if I was, uh, if I was sick, if, unless I had COVID. You might be like, stay away, right? But you, you don't judge me because of a person's health issues. So why is it that when, when we learn that maybe someone's struggling in their mind and they're battling a mental health issue, that all of a sudden we're like, I don't know about that, man. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to, I'm just going to back up. I don't know how to handle it. And so all I'm saying is we got to break that stigma in Jesus name because it's not a sin to be sick. 
Did you hear that? It's not a sin to be sick, but I want you to hear this. We also need to understand that my illness is not my identity. Come on, somebody. I, I'm not, I'm not going to live my life based on what is said about me, based on what I feel. The way I feel, my depression does not define me. My anxiety does not define me. It, it's, not, it, it's not part of who I am. It may be what I deal with. It may be what I'm going through, but it's not my identity. And so... A lot of times you come to church and you feel like, man, everybody here's got it together. They're in their Sunday best. They don't have any issues. We all have issues, all right? And if you say you don't have issues, that's your issue, right? Here's your sign, right? here. That's your issue. If you say you don't have issues. So... I'm just trying to normalize a little bit of this today to say, hey, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And that's why we launch small groups three times a year. We say, get in a group, take off the mask, find a friend, get to know somebody who you can be real with, who you can say, this is what's going on in my life. I'm not doing okay. I'm struggling in this area. And, and this is my hope for you today is that you would take this day serious as we launch close to 100 groups for different ages, for different groups of people, different interests. I want you to go online, go to the website, go to the app, find a group that, that piques your interest. Join two or three of them because I'm telling you, this is where the life change begins to happen is when you start taking off the mask and you be real and you say, hey, I don't have it all together. That's when, that's when you start to see some life change happen. Can I get a witness right there? So what does the Bible have to say about depression and anxiety. Um, it actually speaks a lot of it. It's not silent on, on the matter. In fact, Jesus himself battled with some depression and anxiety. Really. Remember the night he was betrayed, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is so stressed out, so anxious, that the Bible says he's sweating blood. That's a, that's a real medical condition that happens to people when they are under such intense pressure in their bodies and, and stress in their bodies. And so he's crying, he's crying out to God, I don't want to do this. If, if, it, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, he says. I don't want to do this, but if I have to, I will. All right? And so we're getting ready to, uh, uh, to, to study uh, some people in the Bible, a person in the Bible. But, you know, you have other people like Jeremiah in the Bible. He, um, he's known as the weeping prophet, he wrote an, a book of the Bible, an ode to depression. The Lamentations is, is what it's called, right? So today, though, I want to study a guy who is really well-known. He's a prophet, probably the most popular prophet in all of Scripture. And uh, he had his own bout with depression. It's the prophet Elijah. And the, the story today is coming out of 1 Kings 18 and 19. And I don't have time to read the entire story but I'm going to give you some snippets of it. We're going, to, we're going to talk about it. We're going to learn what we can today. But here's the thing about Elijah. Elijah has this incredible moment, this incredible victory where God shows up in a powerful way. Like fire falls from heaven, consumes a sacrifice. If, if, if he were in the WWE, it would have been the contest on Carmel. It was like that. I mean, because he's fighting these 850 false prophets of Baal and Asherah, and he defeats all of them. God shows up in this powerful way. He has a mountaintop moment. And here's the lesson. Here's a lesson for us today. And that is your lowest valley will often come right after your highest mountain. 
I mean, Elijah's singing, I'm on top of the world, hey, I'm on top of the world. And then he ends up in the lowest valley. <laughs> Everything's awesome until, until he receives a DM in his Instagram. <laughs> and it throws him off. Until there's that one comment on his TikTok. And he can't take it anymore. So I want to take a look at this, all right? I'm just putting it in today's culture for us. Show you Elijah's depression. He has this incredible mountaintop experience. God shows up for him. And then in chapter 19, verse 1 through 4, Ahab, the king, tells Jezebel everything that Elijah has done. How he killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sends him a DM, sends a messenger to, to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of the people you just killed. She threatens him, and all at this one threat, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba, that's a, that just means the place of the oath, when he came there to Judah, he left his servant. I want you to notice these are highlighted for a reason. Look what he's doing. He's, he's afraid. He's running. He, he goes to the place of the oath and he says, I'm done. He leaves his servant. He runs in isolation by himself a day's journey into the wilderness. Now that's a problem, right? These are problems. He's running for his life because of what one person said. Because of one comment. Because of one article. Because of one, one thought. And so he comes to this broom bush, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he would die. He says, I've, I've had enough, Lord. I mean, just take my life. I'm running from the law, and I just can't keep on doing this no more. I'm, I'm, just be I'm no better than my ancestors. He's, he's starting to get in his head, right? He's starting to, he's starting to think differently than he was thinking before. And so Elijah battles this depression. He's running for his life. He, eventually, he ends up in a cave of depression. And today, I want to show you four root causes of his depression. And there are four root causes that, are, that are, we can apply to our lives today, okay? Remember, there's nine root causes. Two of them are biological. Seven are not. I'm only going to give you four today. And the first one is this. He ends up in this place of depression because of stinking thinking. I know y'all have heard somebody say that before, stinking thinking. He's too busy pecking with the chickens to be soaring with the eagles, right? He, he's down here in the, he's in the dumps. I mean, how many of y'all remember uh, Hee Haw? Anybody remember Hee Haw back in the day? Gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark, depression, excessive misery. If you don't know that, you need to go YouTube it. It's awesome, Right? He's an original member of Hee Haw. He's just down in the dumps. He is focused on the negative. Come on, let me, let me say it this way. Oh, he, he's like, oh, Eeyore over here. Come on, somebody. I'll never be good enough. That mean queen said something mean to me. I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go away by myself where I can think how bad I am. That's all it is. Eeyore. He's just got, he's got that Eeyore spirit. Some of y'all need to keep, buy, have one of these for your house. And so when that negativity comes on, you just go, Eeyore. Yeah, you're being Eeyore. Come on. Bring it, let's bring it back. He's, what is he doing? He's ruminating. 
He starts this self-talk. He starts ruminating about how bad things are and how he's not good enough. And, and, and uh, he's forgotten what God did, everybody. Just a couple verses earlier, God is showing up and bringing a miracle from heaven. And now, all of a sudden, he's running for his life and he is in his head. He's saying, I'm the only one left. Multiple times in this story, he says to God, I'm the only Christian there is. I'm the only servant of God there is. And it wasn't true. It wasn't true. So he's got this stinking thinking. Here's the second thing is isolation. It's a root cause. Isolation. Getting by yourself. So he leaves his servant in Beersheba. What does he do? He, he essentially says to God, you know what? This is where you called me and this is where I'm calling it quits. I'm going to leave my servant here. I'm going to go off by myself. I don't need nobody. I don't need anybody else. Isolation. And so it's not just physical isolation, but it's isolation in your mind. Because you can be in this room today and yet be isolated in your thoughts. You can be surrounded by family and surrounded by people, but nobody knows what you're thinking. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because somebody needs to know, somebody needs to know what you're thinking because you will always be as sick as your secrets. You'll always be as sick as the darkest place in your life that you don't want anybody else to know about. You'll always be that sick. And so you've, you've got to come out of isolation. That's why we talk about get in a group. Get in a group. Take off the mask. Let somebody know the secrets of your heart. And I'm telling you, it won't change until you do it. It won't change. You'll keep going in this cycle of denial, this cycle of shame, until you open up to somebody. And when you open up to them, they're not going to say, well, dear Lord, I can't believe all the stuff you got going on in your mind. Let's, you stay out of our group. <laughs> That's not what they're going to say. They're probably going to say, more than likely, what they'll say is, man, me too. I've been there. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've had those same feelings before. Hey, let's, let's do this together. Let's walk through life together. That's what you're going to hear. And, and so, so what do we do? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. So what I need to do is I, I, need, I need to find somebody I can stand back to back with, somebody that can conquer with me. Because three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You've got to have somebody in your life, somebody in your corner, right? Somebody in your corner, no isolation. But that's, that's, a, that's a pitfall. It's, it's a root cause. Here's number three, is running on and running from feelings. Running on and running from feelings. So Elijah says that he's afraid and he ran. So he's, he's, he's in his feeling moment right now. Like he's, he's not processing feelings. He's running from them. He's pushing them down. And both of these are problems. Okay, because you can't live your life based on how you feel. Feelings are an indicator, but they're not they're, they're not a great compass. It's an indicator, but it's not a great way to live your life because feelings will lie to you. Feelings will tell you everything is great, and the next moment it will switch and tell you everything is terrible. Feelings aren't a great way to live. Now, a lot of people, they run on feelings. They live on feelings, and they react based on feelings. They react based on what people say and do. But some people run from their feelings. 
And they push their feelings down. And they say, man, I'm not going to deal with that. I don't, want, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's, it hurts. It's painful. I don't want to go there. And this, this is what Elijah does here. If he had just taken some time to think about what God had done just a few minutes before. If he had stopped to think about, hey, if God can send fire down from heaven to consume a sacrifice and take out 850 false prophets of Baal, then maybe he's able to take care of old Jezzy too. Come on, somebody. Like, maybe he's able to do that. But instead, he's so wrapped up in his feelings that he can't make a logical choice. And so he runs from his feelings and he's running on his feelings. So, so think about this. Here's the, here's the last one. The, the last root of depression, not the only, but the four we're talking about, is the comparison trap. It's comparison. So he, he gets that DM, and he's scrolling, and he's looking at how great everybody else's life is and how terrible his is. He's looking at all the great things that they have going on for him. He's looking at all of their friends. He's looking at how many comments they got. He's looking at how many likes they have. Am I talking to anybody today? I guess nobody likes me. Nobody commented on my post. Can I just tell you today that no one ever posts their messy house. No one ever posts their junked out car. And so we're over here comparing ourselves, our worst moments, to their highlight reel. We're comparing our worst moments, our worst days, to their best days. And it's, as far as I can tell, most of it is pretend. Most of it isn't real. Most of it is... It's fake. How come they don't act like that when they see me? What's up with that? Like only, only for social media, right? And, and so it's a comparison trap. And the only person, I think if we can understand this, the only person from, that, that I need to be concerned about pleasing is not somebody on social media. It's Jesus Christ. It's God the Father in heaven. He's the only one that I need to be, that I need to be concerned about pleasing. That's why Paul says, am, am I trying to win the approval of human beings? Or of God? Like, who am I really trying to please here? Now, am I, if I'm trying to please people, then I would not be able to be a servant of Christ. What he's saying is, I can't serve two masters. I can't be a people pleaser and a God pleaser at the same time. I've got to give this comparison trap up. That's, that, that's why it's called a trap. Because it keeps you in bondage to what other people think. And I'm not good enough in this self this self negative self-talk all right so what i love about this story is that we don't have to go anywhere else to find the healing process because we we, we know now we see four things that we learned from elijah four root causes of depression but how about this he also get, we also see four ways that we can be healed in the process now I'm going to read, I'm, I can't read all the story to you because we don't have time for it, but in 1 Kings 19, it's chapter 5, verse, verse uh, chapter 19, verse 5 through 19. You can read the rest of it on your own. It'll take you about 10 minutes to read chapter 18 and 19. But this is the prescription, okay? I'm going to show you, based on these verses, how to get out of that, 
how to, how to start climbing your way out, and, and it's in verse 5. Remember, he's gone a day's journey, and when he gets to where he's going, he lays down under the bush, and he fell asleep. He's tired. And how many of you know we don't make great decisions when we're tired? We say the wrong things when we're tired. That's why if I, it's not in your notes, not on the screen, but if I could tell you to halt, right? When, 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 before you do anything, halt. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, just halt. Don't make a decision. Don't, don't run in fear. Halt. So he lays down, he falls asleep, and all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and right there by his head was some fresh bread from Texas Roadhouse. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that honey butter. Oh, come on, let's, let's go after, after church today. Let's, sweet tea, man, just... He ate it, he drank it, and then he laid down again. So he falls asleep, he gets up to eat, and he falls asleep again. And, and that, that by itself might be a good prescription for some of you, is, is to just rest, right? He lays down again, and then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. I need, to know, I need some of you to know today, it's too much on your own. It's too much to do it by yourself. That's why you need a church family. That's why you need a, a small group family. It's too much to try to, to try to take it on by yourself. And so he got up and he ate and he drank and strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days, 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And what we see in this cave is what I don't have time to read you today is is how God ministers to him there. God meets him there. God forces Elijah to say what's wrong. And I think that's important for some of us sometimes. When we're going through a, a, a bout of depression and anxiety, we need to say what's wrong. We need to be able to communicate that. And so God's able to minister to him in this cave, and, and God shows up in an earthquake. He shows up in a windstorm, and he shows up in fire. Come on, that's the first reference to earth, wind, and fire. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Shows up in earth, wind, and fire, but God wasn't in any of that. God was in the gentle whisper. He was in the whisper. And I think so many times in life, we're looking for God in the big, in the bodacious. We're looking for God, we're looking for God in, 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 the, in the wild. We're looking for God in the wonder, but he shows up in the whisper. We want God to show up loud and proud, but he's showing up in the whisper. And see, the problem is, for a lot of us, we can't hear him whisper because there's so much going on in our lives. We can't hear him whisper because we have all of these competing voices telling us what we ought to believe and how we ought to do things and, and, and what we need to click on next. We have all of these things that are telling us how to live our lives, and we, we've just got to press pause on all of that so that we can hear the whisper of God. That's why I'm calling this message today the whisper of hope, because I'm believing that some of you today are going to hear God whisper to you this week. You're going to get some stuff out of your life that's been pulling you far from God, some things that have been crowding your life, you're going to say no to it so that you can hear the whisper of God. So in these final verses, in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we see four things 
that Elijah does that we can learn from. All right, I'm going to give you these four things. And I think there are four things that help us hear the whisper of God. And it's going to be the most practical stuff you've ever heard. But if you'll do it, I think it'll help you. All right, here's the first thing. Is if I want to hear the whisper of God, I need to get physically healthy. This is not one we want to say amen to because we like stuff. We like food. We, we, we like certain tastes. And, and I don't want to work out because I get hot and sweaty and I just don't want to do that. I stink. You've got to get physic physically healthy. Y'all remember the song, um, I like to move it, move. <laughs> remember where he says physically fit, physically fit, physically, physically, physically fit. Some of y'all need to, we need to get physically fit. We need to get some healthy. And I, I know in Wichita Falls, like, getting outdoors in the summertime can be challenging. This week will be a great week, everybody. It's going to be in the 90s. Hey, yeah, come on. What if we just got outside of our house and we got in the sunlight and we walked maybe over by Lake Wichita and we just enjoyed some parts of nature that we haven't seen before or seen in a long time and we just get out of we get out of our our box and we go somewhere else and we take a walk or maybe we eat a good meal now, come on I'm not talking about driving on your way to work driving with one knee eating a, a, a deep fried steak biscuit you know in the morning I'm, I'm talking about sitting around the table at night with your family or your your college roommates and, and just and just having a meal together good uh, hey let's put us let's put a salmon on the smoker let's get some rice and some uh, and some some uh, sweet potatoes and, and a good salad and let's just sit around the table for a few hours and let's tell stories and let's laugh and let's have a good time let's get healthy again because a merry heart does good like a medicine and let's just get healthy let's Let's make it a priority. Maybe for some of you, you need to rest. I ain't no rest for the weary, preacher. I got bills to pay. I got bills. Well, hey, um, how's that working for you, right? How's it working for you? I, I think it's so important that, that we come to understand that rest is God's way of, of us trusting him. So if, if you are choosing to work seven days a week, I'm, I got bills to pay. I got a family to provide for. I've, I've got these things to do. We're working on this and we're doing this and I'm, I, this is what I'm doing. I've got to do it. If you're choosing to do it, let me just respectfully say, you are, in other words, you are telling God, I got this. I don't need your help. I don't, I don't need you. I don't need to rest. I don't need a day off. Uh, that's a Sabbath day rest in the Bible is, is, was built by God so that you would be, what you're saying when you rest is you're saying, God, I completely trust you to take care of every need that I have today. Amen. Financially, emotionally, physically, I'm trusting you to care and provide for me. Let's get healthy physically. I'm so, I, I, I spent a little bit of time on that because when you work, when you, when you are work, 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 you go, 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 and you're exhausted and you're fatigued and you don't have time for your family and you don't time, have time for school and you don't have time for, the, for, for whatever you've got going on in life, it's useless to work that hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. Why? Why is it useless? Because God 
gives rest. Rest comes from God. Amen, everybody? All right, here's the second thing. I need to pour out my soul to God and others. Pour out my soul to God and others. So Elijah gets to the cave, and he starts just kind of pouring it all out to God. And he's, it's self-talk because he keeps repeating himself. I'm the only one left. There's nobody else. And, and, and like some of us get that way. When we're not pouring ourselves out to God and others. And so I, I want to encourage you with something today. That God can handle your complaints. He can handle your anger. He can hand, handle you crying out to him and saying, God, I don't understand. Help me know why this is going on. I don't like what's happening. I don't like the way I feel. I don't like that this person said this to me. He can handle all of that. So pouring yourself out to God is not really for his benefit. It's for your benefit. It's for you. Why should I do that, Pastor Ben? Because Jesus says, if you'll come to him in your weariness and in your burdens, he will give you rest. He gives the rest. And I think a lot of us are good with this. You know, we, Yeah, I love to just cast my cares on the Lord because I know he cares for me. I'm casting my cares. But we don't want to cast our cares on other people. We fragilize people. We say, well, I don't want to bother them. You know, they, they've got their own struggles. They've got their own things. Or we, we won't do it because of this one reason. And that is we're hurt in relationships. Most of your hurts in life, if not all of them, come because of someone else. They said something. They did something. It was relational hurt. And that's the truth. But I, if I could be so bold as to say you will never get past it. Well, you're, you're not being positive. I'm positive you'll never get past it. I'm positive it'll keep being an issue in your life until you realize that we are also healed in relationships. <laughs> that the same place we're hurt, God can redeem and it, it's not going to be through the same people. It'll be through a different group of people. But you can be healed through relationships. He wants to do a work in your life. He wants to restore what the enemy has stolen in your life. He wants to bring healing in that area. Amen? And that's why uh, the half-brother of Jesus says we, we ought to confess our sins. Not just our sins, but our burdens and our worries and our cares and our anxieties and our depressions. Confess it to each other and pray for each other so that we may be healed. We can be healed in relationships. Here's number three. Is that I need to experience the power and presence of God. In order to hear the whisper of hope, this whisper of God, I need to get healthy. I need to tune some stuff out. I need to pour my heart out to God and some other people, but I also need to experience the power and the presence of God because what, what we've learned to say here is that one moment in the presence of God can change everything. One moment in his presence can make an, an eternal difference in your life. And what I believe is that there is no substitute greater than the power and the presence of God. That the greatest antidepressant medication on planet Earth is the presence of God. It can change our lives. It can set us free. But it's not just on Sunday, by the way. It's something that you have to do daily. So, so 21 days of prayer didn't end yesterday. It continues today. Today's day 22. 
Tomorrow's day 23. Every day, I'm going to make it a priority. Every day, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to spend some time with God. I'm going I'm to shut the world out. I'm going to turn the phone off. I'm going to turn the distractions off, and I'm going to seek the heart of God because I know that I can't do this without Jesus. I need him in my life. I need his power and his presence, and I just need to turn everything off and be still and know that he is God, and he's with me in the stillness. Here's number four. I want to hear the whisper of hope. I need to let God do a new thing in me. Let him do a new thing in me. New thing. Give you a new direction. Give you a new purpose. Give you a new hope. See, for a lot of people, you're, you're trying to do life the way you've always done life. And, and if I could respectfully say, if, if it worked the way you were doing it, it would have worked by now. So, if you don't want to keep what you're, if you, if you don't want to keep on getting what you're getting, you need to do something different. Uh, how, how else could I say it? Like, like it, if, you, if you keep on doing what you've always done, you're going to keep on getting what you've always got. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let God do a new thing in my life. I'm going to let him do a new thing in me. I can't just keep doing the same thing and expect a different result to happen. I need to let God do a new thing. So the reason why we focus so much on you discovering your gifts and your talents, you discovering what God has done in your life, the purpose that he has for you, is because we're not interested in building buildings. We want to build people. We want to disciple people. We want to raise up people. And we know that if you understand why God created you, why you are on this earth, what he put inside of you and the gifts and the talents and the destiny and the abilities that are on the inside of you, you will live in fulfillment of all that God has done for you. So we're desperate for you to find that. We're desperate for you to realize who you are and what God created you to be. It's why we do the growth track every single month. Next Sunday, step onto the growth track. We talk about membership. We do membership there. We talk about your spiritual gifts, how God has, has created you, what he's wired you for. And we want to see you live this out. Because he's doing something new in you. He wants to do something new in you. It's springing up. It's, it's making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I know what it's like. I know what it's like to go through some depression, some anxiety. I never thought I was anxious until the last several years. And I realized I'm a pretty anxious guy. <laughs> I've been learning how to live through that. Never really thought I was person who really deals with depression but based on that list we saw earlier I, I encounter it sometimes I don't want to stay there come on everybody nobody wants to stay there but there was a season of our lives uh, it was pretty miserable in 2007 we uh, um, God put a dream in our hearts to start this church in 2007 I didn't know anything about church planting I didn't know anything about uh, like association of related churches how to start a church how to maintain it. I didn't know anything about that as far as I knew the way you started a church was that you rented out an old abandoned gas station and you hoped that people would would come and and listen to you right I had no idea and so we just tucked that dream away in our hearts and we knew that God would allow it to come to fruition one day but about 10 years later 2017 we find ourselves in the most miserable season 
of our lives, one of the most. We've had some pretty difficult times, going through different, different things, walking through it together as family. This particular season, man, the only way I could explain it to you is that everything was perfect on paper. And you've probably been through a season like this before. Like the paycheck was good. We lived in the fastest growing city of Alabama. More like a Frisco type area. Everything's just exploding, growing like crazy. Our school district was the best in the state and the top in the nation. We didn't have to worry about our kids' education. We had low property taxes, low taxes in general. Come on, glory to God. It was awesome. We just built a house, great neighborhood, had the neighborhood pool, clubhouse. Everything's great on paper, but on the inside, we're just miserable. It's, it's miserable. Looking back, I could realize that, man, we were, we were battling some depression. And then um, in August of 2017, like, it was, it was so bad that I was, I was interested. I was looking for any way that I could make money and provide for my family apart from the church. I loved my church, but there was something about what I was doing. I just wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't, wasn't experiencing the goodness of God in my life. So I thought, until a guy named Ed Funderburg, who's one of my dear friends and a mentor to me, he's visiting and he says, uh, Ben, how old are you? I said, I'm 35. And he said, man, that is the ripe age of a church planter. Have you ever thought about that before? And I said, yeah, actually, it's a dream in my heart. I want to do it one day. He says, I think you need to talk to your pastor about it. And so we started talking to our pastor. And we started making plans. And we started just, whatever we could do, whatever we could do, we were dreaming about this church. We were dreaming about City Hope. We were dreaming about Wichita Falls. And, and it didn't happen overnight. But when we finally sold out to this new thing that God wanted us to do, that we were called to move to Wichita Falls and start City Hope Church. I cannot tell you the difference it made. I'm telling you, all of a sudden we had new hope. All of a sudden we had new life. All of a sudden we didn't have that depression anymore. All of a sudden there was an assignment for our lives that was greater than anything that we had had before. And all of a sudden there was joy and there was peace and there was direction for our lives. It was something new. And I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is I'm no different than you. And that same thing that God did for me, He wants to do it in your life. He wants to give you new hope. He wants to give you new joy. He wants to give you a new direction and a new assignment for your life. He wants to, he wants to bring you out of anxiety and depression and mental health crisis into a place of solidarity and hope and peace and joy and freedom in your life. He wants to do it. And he has that, that same plan that he has for me. He can have it for you. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know who this is for. But I, I feel the Lord put, had me put this at the end of my message today for somebody. Today. See, the, the greatest tragedy is that over a million people a year decide that they can't go on. And they take their lives. 47,000 people in America every year end it all that's two times the murder rate for America it's the number one leading cause of death for people ages 10 10 to 34 
And I don't know who this is for, but I need somebody here to know today that suicide is a permanent, irreversible solution to a very temporary situation. And you don't have to do it. You don't have to go there. You don't have to let it get that far. Come on, I, I know you're hurting. We know it. We, but you don't have to go there. Let, let me say it this way. You don't have to end your life to end your pain. And I don't know who that's for today, but I want you to receive this word that God loves you. He sees you. He is for you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And there's nothing that's been done to you or nothing that you have done that he cannot forgive and cleanse and wash away and make brand new. There is hope for you. There is joy for you. There is peace for you. There is new life for you. You don't have to settle for the lies of the enemy, everybody. You don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. Come on, I think we ought to give God praise for that. Somebody going to be free today from that. So I'd, I'd love for you to just bow your heads with me and close your eyes. And I'm not going to ask anybody to identify themselves who's dealing with that. But if you are, we have, we have great Christian counselors who are a part of this church. They would love to walk with you and, and help you in this area. But if you're here today and you're struggling with mental, mental health, you're struggling maybe with depression and anxiety, and it's been, it's been eating your lunch. It's been keeping you from the, the, the fullness of God, experiencing the goodness of God. I want to I encourage you right now that God's presence is here to change your life. And so, Father, I pray right now that for every person who's battling, for every person who's struggling in this moment, every person who is it is in the middle of depression, anxiety, worry, fear. Lord, they're, they're, they're in this negative self-talk. God, they, are, they have this stinking thinking, this isolation. God, I'm praying right now that you'd bring them out of that, Father. I pray that you would let them be surrounded by people who love them and care for them. And they're, 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 they're not concerned about the, uh, uh, anything but the health of that person God I pray that you would surround them with people who will who will believe the best and call out the best and, and help speak the best over them God I pray right now that you would remove every lie of the enemy that would say it's not worth it that it's too much that it's too difficult God I pray that you would remove every lie that says that they are unlovable that they are worthless that they are helpless and hopeless Lord cancel every lie of the enemy that would try to distract them and cause them to believe that there is no hope and it's always going to be this way and I'm never going to get better. God, I pray that you'd give them the ability to step out of that denial cycle that keeps them in bondage and that shame cycle that keeps them in the depression. God, I pray that they would find a friend through small groups and they would be able to take off the mask and say, I need a friend. God, I'm praying for that today. Lord, I pray that you'd break off every chain. And Lord, for those who, who Lord, they need, they need professional help. They need some some clinical help. God, I pray that you give them the boldness and the courage today to schedule that appointment, to see a friend, to see somebody who will walk with them and talk with them and walk hand in hand, who will be that person who stands back to back with them, who stands three to, 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 a, to a side, Lord, because a, a, a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I thank you for that today. I thank you for peace and joy in this house. In Jesus' name, with your head still bowed, if you're here and you don't know God, you're far from God. You're distant from God. Maybe you feel, you're, you're like, man, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I, like, I, I think I believe in God, but my life doesn't look like it. 
And maybe you're here and you've drifted in your relationship. You used to be close to God, but you have wandered in your relationship. Maybe you've been, you've been confessing that you're a Christian, but living like he doesn't exist. This, this moment's for you. There's hope, there's freedom, there's forgiveness. No matter what you've done, you're not too far gone. You have not, you have not outpaced the love of God. You're not at the end of the chain. He loves you. He cares about you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And today, He wants to forgive, cleanse, wash you, and make you brand new. He sent His Son, Jesus, for this moment right now. If you're here today and you'd say, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to completely surrender to Him. On the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Come on, just boldly lift it up. I'm going all in today, Ben. I see you. One, two. I see you. So proud of every one of you in the room today. Four or five. Anybody else would say that's me? Six. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Who else would say that's me? I'm going all in today. I need to surrender my life. I need to surrender my heart, soul, mind, and strength to Him. Amen. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. Everybody in the church, let's say this. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm turning to you. And I'm sorry for the way I've lived taking my life in my own hands trying to do it my own way I'm quitting being in charge I, I'm, I'm not a good master Lord I turn my life over to you today I want you to be in charge lead me guide me direct me from this moment forward you're my savior you're my Lord my best friend I trust you with all my heart and I will live for you the best I know how in Jesus name amen 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 come on let's give God praise